Let's turn our attention to the reading and preaching of God's Word this morning. If you have your Bible with you, I'd ask that you'd open up to Psalm 16 for our old covenant reading this morning. This is the Word of God. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shale, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is full of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way... Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The grass withers and the flowers of the field, they fade and they fall. But this, the word of our God from Psalm 16 and from Luke 10, endures forever. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come as those who are needful of your word. As we had once walked in darkness, we now are members walking in light because of Christ. And yet, Lord, the corruptions in our hearts continue to blind us from the truth. And so, Lord, we ask that your spirit would come as light to illumine our hearts, to show us your ways, and Lord, to give us power from on high that we may be more like Jesus as you shape him in us. Lord, would you bless your word this morning for Christ's sake and for the good of your people. Amen. I wonder if you've noticed uh, that, that life has a way of filling every moment with demands. Do you feel demands? Demands on our time, demands on our attention. 
There's demands on our energy, and of course, there's demands on our finances. It doesn't matter whether we're working a full-time job. It doesn't matter whether we're retired, whether we're young or old or strong or weak. And one of the challenges for Christians in the midst of such demands is determining what are those things that are truly necessary? What do I truly need? We see such demands in our passage before us this morning from Luke chapter 10, and we hear from Jesus how his disciples ought to evaluate their competing priorities. As we look at this passage this morning, I want to look at three things from this passage. First, the Lord's place. Second, the Lord's answer to the anxious and troubled. And then finally, the Lord's promise to those who sit at his feet. This passage begins there in uh, verse 38 with a hospitable welcome. Jesus uh, is on a missionary journey with his disciples, and they're going from town to town. And so Jesus entered this town here, which we know from the Gospel of John is the town of Bethany, which wasn't far from Jerusalem. And as Jesus and his disciples enter into this town, they're met with a warm welcome from a woman named Martha. Now this welcome that she gives to them isn't just a friendly greeting. As she's welcoming them into her house and receiving them, she is offering to them everything necessary, including food and lodging for the duration of their time in that particular town. So this wasn't a dinner party. It wasn't merely a social visit. And on Martha's part, it wasn't planned for. Did you ever have unplanned visitors? Your heart sinks. (laughs) So Jesus shows up here in this town, and and Martha saw this need. Jesus needs a place to stay. His disciples need a meal. And so she immediately welcomed them into her home. Then in verse 39, we get a a picture of what's going on in this household as Jesus is settling in there. There in verse 39, we see the centerpiece of the story. We see the context of this setting for this conversation that's going to take place between Jesus and Martha, where we learn something very important and now where is Jesus in this household? Where might we expect Jesus to be? If we, if we know about what Jesus does on earth during his ministry, where would we expect him to be in this house? Well, he's where we expect him to be. He's sitting and he's teaching. Right? Teaching and healing and proclaiming the kingdom of God is what Jesus does on his mission. It's the focus of his work here. But before we even see where Jesus is, we actually see somebody else first. We see Mary, Martha's sister. And Mary has found her place at Jesus' place, sitting at Jesus' feet. Now in this time, it was common for uh, disciples of a particular teacher to gather around at the feet of their uh, teacher, of their rabbi, to listen and to learn from him. But what's not so common is that a woman... 
is that Mary would find her place among the disciples, that she would count herself with them, that she would sit and she would listen at the feet of Jesus. Now, where's Martha's place in all of this? Martha, we're told, is busy doing other things. Verse 40 says that while Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, Martha was distracted with much serving. She invited a number of guests to stay there and nothing's been planned for. And so there's a lot that needs to be done. The Lord's place in that house is teaching. Mary's place is listening. Martha's place is distractively serving. And so as Jesus is, is teaching, Martha comes to him with a distracted question. As she's busy doing and serving, she sees where Mary is. She sees that Mary is sitting and listening when perhaps the food isn't quite ready and the table hasn't quite been set. Now, maybe this is a stretch, but I think it might be helpful. Perhaps there's still dishes sitting in the sink from breakfast that need to be washed so that there's enough forks for everybody to have a matching one during their meal. Now, maybe Martha at this point is wondering where everybody's going to sleep. There's only so many pillows to go around. Maybe she's wondering if the bathroom's clean. Maybe she sees crumbs on the floor and thinks that she needs to sweep those up before Jesus sees them. And the list in her mind goes on and on and on. Now, I think we can all probably relate to Martha, can't we? (laughs) Ever been in one of those situations? She's overwhelmed, she's worried, she's stressed out. All the things that need to get done are swirling in her mind as she's scurrying about. And in her tizzy, she has such a typical response. Frustration with her seemingly lazy and unhelpful sister. Right As the Lord's teaching, Martha's not listening. Her worries are too loud. Her frustration with Mary is beginning to boil up. And in the midst of all this distraction with much serving, she thinks that maybe Jesus will help her out. Maybe Jesus can come and, and knock some sense into Mary for not helping. Now we need to remember that Martha is doing important things. Right? Everybody is going to need to eat. And everybody is going to need to have somewhere to sleep. And the messes they do need to get cleaned up. Martha's not opposed to listening to Jesus. But in this moment, she thinks that the many pressing things should take precedence over sitting and listening. So she says to Jesus there in verse 40, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Lord, don't you care that I have all this stuff to do and no one to help me with it? And the Lord's answer to the anxious and troubled comes as the answer to that particular distracted question. Jesus doesn't respond by rebuking Mary and telling her to get into the kitchen and help. His response is actually directed at Martha. And you may wonder, how can Martha be in the wrong in this situation? 
Right? She's the one who's doing all the things. She's the one who's keeping it all together. But you see, that's the problem. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. That repetition of her name signals a tenderness in Jesus' voice. A tenderness responding to Martha's anxieties. And then Jesus gives this reorienting assessment. How often when we're anxious and when we're troubled, when we're overwhelmed and stressed out, do we not even realize what's happening? We don't even realize how stressed out we are. It's, it's like you're in a tunnel and you're so focused on the serving and the doing that all the stuff seems to be piled so high and your attention is so fixed that you don't even recognize how overwhelmed you have been. And sometimes we need to be called out of that. And that's what Jesus does here. He says, Martha, Martha, here's the problem. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Right? Martha thinks her problem is Mary not helping. I don't have enough hands helping me get all this stuff done. But really the problem resides with Martha. It's not the stressful circumstances or the unhelpful people. See, if you're anxious and troubled, if service to Christ has become a hurried burden, listen close to Jesus' words here. You are anxious and troubled about many things. There's the assessment. There's the problem. And here's the reorientation that Jesus gives to Martha. You're anxious and troubled, but one thing is necessary. Or only one thing is necessary. Now, this isn't Jesus as the life coach or Jesus as uh, the one who's helping us decipher priorities in some kind of uh, life coach way. This isn't Jesus saying, oh, just take it one thing at a time. This isn't Jesus saying, oh, just do the most important thing on your list first. You see, Martha's letting the pressing needs of the moment take precedence over the only thing that is important in this particular moment. What is that one thing that is necessary? We find in verse 42 that it's what Mary chose. Not only does Jesus not rebuke Mary for sitting at his feet, he actually shows her as an example to Martha. You see, what is necessary, this one and only thing that is necessary is the good portion or the good meal, feeding on the good thing. Or maybe better to say the better portion or even the best portion if we take this as a comparative or a superlative. Because Martha's things aren't bad, right? We recognize that Martha's things aren't bad. Preparing a meal for guests is not bad. Surely the people were starting to get hungry. But there's something better in that particular moment that in her distraction, she's missing. She's not getting. And that's the problem, isn't it? 
That's what Luke tells us is the problem in verse 40. The problem isn't Martha's desire to serve. Oh, it's good that Martha wants to serve. The problem is her distraction. It's her well-intentioned desire to serve which put the things of first importance into the background. As Martha's worried about preparing a meal, Jesus says that Mary chose to attend to the only important meal. She chose the better portion. Now remember the spirit in which Jesus rebuked Martha. What did he say? He said, Martha, Martha. Right? The rebuke was not to cast her out. It was not to push her away or to reject her. It was to correct her and draw her into life-giving fellowship with him. Martha, Martha, come out of that and come to me and listen to me and hear from me. Right, as Martha's worried about preparing food, Jesus says to feed on me. Find your sustenance in me and not in your service to me or your service to those around you. Mary here is taking in the meal that matters most when Jesus comes to town. What's the most important meal of the day? Is it not receiving Christ and his word? Think about Psalm 16.5. The psalmist says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Psalm 73.26, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Lamentations 3.24, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in Him. This is a real-life illustration of Deuteronomy 8.3. Right? Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's what Jesus is teaching here. That verse from Deuteronomy that Jesus quoted in Luke 4 as he responded to Satan's temptation, that Jesus concerned himself with his hunger pains in his belly. And we see from Jesus himself what it means to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? His food was to do the will of his Father. His attention was fixed upon the counsel of God. Were there not many things that could have distracted him from, in his service as he laid down his life for you and for me? Yet for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame And being raised from the dead according to the word of God, he made the good news of salvation to ring out across the world that we could feed upon him in all of his benefits. The wonderful words of life that revive the soul, strengthen the inner man, renew a right spirit and animate the new life of the believer in Christ to love and good deeds. And so what does it look like to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God? It looks like what Mary's doing. It looks like sitting at the feet of Jesus and receiving his words of life. Now we should see a connection here between this story and the parable of the Good Samaritan which came immediately before this story. Because the Good Samaritan may give us the impression that what matters most is doing, not listening. Right? That action matters more than hearing, but here we see that fellowship with Jesus through his word is what matters most. 
Sitting at the feet of Jesus is of first importance before we can ever rightly go and do. Again, we need to make sure that we see this in the context of service to the Lord. Service is to be rendered to the Lord with his word saturating our hearts. How do we know that the word of the Lord wasn't saturating Martha's heart? She was distracted and she was getting bitter. If we come to serve God and his people and our hearts are bitter and we have complaints, that's probably a good sign that we, like Martha, are distracted. And if we are walking in the footsteps of Jesus, we should not be surprised that temptation would come like it did for Jesus, to replace the bread of heaven with stones. To let many things worry and trouble us, keeping us from the one necessary thing. How often does the seemingly urgent win out to the necessary for you? But it's not even just the urgent, is it? Sometimes it's like anything and everything wins out against sitting at Jesus' feet. Taking out the trash somehow became more important than sitting at Jesus' feet. Now some of us are wired in such a way that we feel the need to always be doing something. Uh, So to sit and to read and to listen and to pray and to meditate on God's word privately or to attend to God's word in the corporate gathering of the church seems like time wasted because nothing is getting done. And of course, we'd never actually say that out loud, right? We'd never actually say that it's wasted time. But our distracted hearts expose that very thing, don't they? As we see in Martha. Now I can assure you of something. That if you don't do those many things that are distracting you, if you don't do those today, the world is going to keep spinning. Life will go on. But if you don't sit at the feet of Jesus today and tomorrow and every day thereafter as a disciple of Christ, the things of the Lord will likely not captivate your heart you'll likely find yourself distracted and stressed out. You'll probably see everyone else as the problem, and you may notice a lot of lazy people, and you may also find that you are the only one doing the things, and you are the only one that's holding it all together. Just think about what we're doing right now. Right? There's many things we could be doing on Sundays. Certainly the world does many things. But the good portion is gathered with Christ and his body. This is the good portion. Right? And I think we need to think about these things in the life of the church more broadly too. Right? Church activities and ministries should not be seen as merely one of the many things to fit into busy schedules. Right? Everybody is busy. But is time sitting at Jesus' feet hold the same weight as every other thing that vies for our time? You see, because what prayer meetings and and Bible studies and times of fellowship are doing is providing a place and time for God's people to feed upon the good portion together. 
Those are good things. Yet how often do we miss out on the better portion? Kevin DeYoung in his book, Crazy Busy, reminds us that it is not enough to let the God stuff fill the cracks during the day. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, whether corporately or individually, never just happens. We must make learning from him and taking time to be with him a priority. Can you honestly say that sitting at the feet of Jesus is your portion and your delight? Now maybe you can say it, but but does your life show it? If not, Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha. But not Martha, Martha, unless your name is Martha, of course. But Jesus is calling you to come and to to sit at at his feet and to listen and, and to learn. And to enjoy the fellowship that he has with you. Now don't misunderstand here. We need to be careful not to misunderstand. By Mary's example, Jesus is not calling his disciples to a monastery. He's not calling his disciples to a life of contemplation and inaction. Jesus is not saying that the food and the work and the caring for children and other responsibilities aren't essential. No. He's simply saying that we must put the first thing first. That hearing from him is our good portion, is our necessary only portion. Time sitting at the feet of Jesus is not a luxury when we have spare time. We need to get that out of our minds. It is the utmost necessity for the life of the soul, for the good of the inner man. Do you believe that? Do you believe that hearing from Jesus is the one necessary thing? If you don't believe it, then any attempt to prioritize the hearing of God's word will be an act of sheer willpower. It will become another one of those many things to make you anxious and troubled. But if in fact, by faith, you can say with Jeremiah, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. That's how the distractions are quieted. That's how the anxieties are calmed. By sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's Jesus' answer to the distracted disciple who is anxious and who is troubled. Finally, let's look at the end of verse 42 at the Lord's promise. Here at the end of this story, as is is common in Luke, we're we're not told how the story ends. We don't know what happens with Martha. We don't know how she responds. We don't know whether Martha settled for making a less extravagant meal and sat down next to her sister, or if she just continued on distracted and anxious. Rather, Jesus here has the last word, and it's a word of of promise for us. The call to put the necessary thing first, to choose the good portion, it comes with a promise, a wonderful promise. Look again at verse 42. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The many things distract and make us anxious, 
and steal our attention. They steal our time. But you see, time with the Lord is never wasted time. Time with the Lord is never wasted time. Right, the meal that you're going to make for lunch today will soon be eaten and it'll be gone. The leftovers in the fridge will soon be forgotten and then they're going to be thrown away. Hopefully sooner rather than later. But the meal received from Jesus, from his word, is, is providing spiritual nourishment that endures forever. Because Jesus' words put before us the, su- the sustenance of salvation. Speaking of peace with God, speaking of the forgiveness of sins, speaking of everlasting life and an imperishable inheritance and the sure hope of glory, those things feed the soul. It is that fellowship with the Lord through His Word and His Spirit that carries us through this life with comfort and sorrow, joy in our blessings, peace in death, and rejoicing into glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word that comes through Christ, our mediator, who by it sustains us and gives us all that is necessary. Lord, would you bless these words to us Bless our time of fellowship with Jesus. May our souls continue to long after him. Amen.